on the next episode of Sip, Suds, and Smokes. We're actually celebrating our co-hosts on the 10th season of Sip, Suds, and Smokes. Now, our co-hosts on this episode are Made Man Bob and good old boy Harmeet. We are drinking today while we're chatting, and we've pulled some rather interesting things out of our vast collection. So, Bob, what are you drinking today? I am drinking Paul John Christmas Edition 2021. Mm, Cool. That sounds great. Well, I'm having something that's in uh, Bob's sweet spot, which is uh, this is Cavalon. This is uh, Vino Barique. And Armid, are you sipping on anything? Well, I have a Diet Dr. Pepper in front of me because it's a little bit early in the morning for me to be drinking. But you know what? The 2021 special release Lagavulin 12 is within arm's reach. As Bob taught me, you know, you can't drink all day if you don't start early. So (laughs) damn right. We'll be right back after this break. live from the dude in the basement studios why because that's where the good stuff is it sips suds and smokes with your smoke and host the good old boys ready to learn everything you ever wanted to know and a whole lot that you didn't it's time for a chats episode hey welcome to this chats episode where everything good in life is worth discussing i'm one of your hosts here today this is good old boy mike and joining me for this chats episode is made man bob howdy howdy and good old boy harmeet thanks for having us mike our chat segments are all about people behind the products or services we talk about here on Sip, Suds, and Smokes. On today's episode, we're actually celebrating our co-hosts on the 10th season of Sip, Suds, and Smokes. Now, our co-hosts on this episode are, you know, Made Man Bob and good old boy Harmeet. So, uh, welcome. I've really been looking forward, you know, this conversation, you know, between the three of us. So, it's... You, uh, do, you do realize harm's on this one, right? Yeah, I, I am. Uh, you know, I was wow, hoping to have this conversation in person, but the days of COVID. I just am preparing for a very heavy editing session, Bob. That's what, that's what I'm, I'm preparing <laughs> oh, for. Oh, yeah. Get the, get the beep button ready. So... Mm-hmm. A little bleeper. Bob, do you, do you remember how we first met? was in a Turkish prison, if I recall correctly. Um, it was uh, a Thursday, and I lost a rock, paper, scissors. Is that basically Yeah, how yeah. That so I got, you for, I got you for a pack of smokes, and I fed you, and look, you're still here. You won't go away. Oh, I, wanna, I appreciate you passing off the last bit of your personal lube for me. So. Well, you know. <laughs> what a guy friends are for. Right? Bros help bros out. What can I tell you? Sounds like you guys need a room. Um, no, we actually first met at uh, a, a whiskey show, um, the uh, Sarasota Whiskey Obsession, which uh, sadly is no more. Um, it was a great little show. It was. Um, really great variety for a show of its size. And, you know, at that time of year being, in, you know, over on Sarasota Bay and the water and everything, I mean, it's, you know, it was fabulous. But, uh, you know, times change. And after eight or 10 years, they moved on with that. But, uh 
uh, we met at that event. Yeah, so I remember Bob actually had his uh, shirt from the Bourbon Mafia um, logo on his shirt. And there had been somebody from the Bourbon Mafia that had reached out um, and they had they provided some comments about, you know, I think something we had talked about or reviewed. Um, I don't know if it was Gelfoy or, uh, you know, I, I'm not really quite sure, you know, who it was uh, that did that comment. But I remember I had that name, the Bourbon Mafia, really kind of st- stuck out as this really interesting, you know, identity. And when I saw you walking around, I was like, hey, you know, I'd, I'd love to say hello. And so not only were you there, but Brent, Brent was, was there, there. Yep. and and Hermit was there, right? Yep. No, no, I missed that one. Oh, you missed oh, that no, wait, one. No, yeah, you went the next year. Yeah. Yeah, next year. You, Bob, uh, Bob wrote me in uh, after he talked to you. Mm-hmm. He was very excited about uh, talking to you and hearing about the show and all. Yeah. So there was a questionable decision right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, well, you you wanted us to come on a on a couple episodes and you wanted me and Brent to come because we were the two that were there talking to you and then he was gone uh, on his you know every summer you know month long drive around Kentucky and uh, cherry picking every little honey hole he could ever find off every back road so I said well I've got I've got somebody else that I know that that would probably work so you know so I so I brought harm in sorry yeah well it's too late now I'm here yeah. Well, a lot of those those episodes, you know, were recorded for I think quite some time, maybe even for the first year or two. Um, we did all those remote. Um, I yeah. mean, when you go back and listen to the shows, I mean, a lot of people don't know that uh, that we're you know all working remote. But um, Bob really, you know, stepped up uh, and said, "Hey, I'd really like to you know produce uh, you know a lot more of these shows," and so. Um, over time, you know, uh, we actually worked, you know, Bob into uh, not only, uh, you know, recording some shows, you know, on his own, but actually doing everything related, you know, to production of those. And Bob worked his way up to producer. And now, you know, I, I mean, uh, Bob's been producing. No, no, that's not that's not quite how it happened. How it happened was, is I said, you know, you're doing a lot of work on these shows. Uh, you know, I'd be happy to help out in sourcing products or even working on scripts and, you know, whatever, whatever you need me to do. So I started doing you that. You make it sound so selfless, but really it's the samples get mailed to you now. And then one day I get it. I get a, a call from Mike and he says, Hey, uh, are, are you in the office today? And I go, yeah. And he goes, good. There's a big box of equipment coming. And I'm like, for what? And he <laughs> goes, you're the new producer. I went, what does that mean? He goes, when the box comes, I'll talk you through it. <laughs> and I opened a box and looked inside and went, oh, my God, what is this? <laughs> Was that your first soundboard, Bob? Was that your first yeah, soundboard? Pretty much, yeah. Nice. Uh, and he's like, no, it, it's easy. I can train a chimp to do it. And well, obviously, uh, he can. So, you know. So how many episodes did you think you'd be on uh, when you first started? Well, when we recorded those first two, I called you up and I said, man, that was a lot of fun. We had a good time. I'm going to take these microphones and put them into FedEx and send it back to you right now. Yeah. Ooh, I, said, didn't, no, I didn't hold think we'd last it. past me insulting yeah. a couple of the first whiskeys I've re- reviewed. Huh. <laughs> I thought, oh, this was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. So yeah. You, well, thanks, look, Harm. Look, the, yeah. the very first release of Larceny, I called it felony on the air. And I was right. <laughs> 
It's good now. <laughs> They've improved. Yeah. But that very first release was a felony. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they definitely worked uh, their way around to improving that product you know, quite a bit. Yeah. But on that same day, you got to drink a Bicky 17. So it was a pretty good day. Mm. That was a very good day. Well, speaking of drinking, we are drinking today while we're chatting uh, about, you know, those beverages as we go along. And we've pulled some rather interesting things out of our vast collection. So, Bob, what are you drinking today? Um, I am drinking Paul John Christmas Edition 2021. Mm, cool. That sounds great. Very tasty. And uh, that was on a show uh, that we had. Uh, not yet, actually. Oh, it hasn't aired yet. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. We tasted it. We've done the Christmas edition a couple of times. That was the one we tasted at the Big Smoke, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, we've we've done it a couple of times. I love that whiskey. But we haven't done this particular one on the show yet. The 2021, right. Yeah. Yeah. And we all loved it, you know, quite a bit. Well, I'm having, uh, you know, something that's in uh, Bob's, you know, uh, sweet spot, which is uh, this is Cavalon. This is a uh, Vina Barique, and actually, this is you're the- showing it to the camera. Are, are we supposed to be recording video? I didn't even think about that. No, no, no it's all right. Uh, so, um, I, I was just showing it, you know, uh, yeah, this for is us, the so us. this is the version that actually won the whiskey, you know, world award. Um, this is before Cavalon really, you know, became on the scene. So this is, this the, old- is the one that made them famous. Yeah, this is yeah. It's gorgeous. Good and uh, I, it's been a while since I've opened this particular bottle. And, uh, you know, I'm proud to say I've, you know, I probably have a little over, you know, half the bottle still. But, I mean, it's so dark and lovely. And, man, I, I cracked this, you know, bottle open and just flooded the room, you know, with just this gorgeous aroma. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I like this. So. Hermit, are you sipping it's on a anything? Sherry bomb. Well, I have a Diet Dr. Pepper in front of me because it's a little bit early in the morning for me to be drinking. But you know what? I I can just go stand up and get my because uh, he was out till three 12. drinking. So the 2021 special release Lagavulin 12 is within arm's reach. As Bob uh, taught me, you know, you can't drink all day if you don't start early. So damn right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Uh, I know that we've talked uh, about a lot of things on this show, but I mean, what are some of the most memorable you know, moments that you've had that you can think of? That's, this is the problem for me. What do you mean in the last year or just overall? Period. Overall. Yeah. Well, I do remember that time we went to Sarasota and we all had the matching tuxedos. Yep. That was a good moment. I really loved recording. Another time we went to Sarasota, we recorded in the, uh, was it the Gator Club? Yep. yep, doing a live show from the Gator Club. That was a lot of fun. So speaking of which, that's one of my favorite clips. And so Patty. this, this yeah, is the, a clip. The drunken woman in the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The whole so, show, she kept screaming at us. Yeah. So there were two episodes. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't have the clip from that show. I have the clip from the other episode that we did. But the first one that we did there. So there was a patron that was in the bar, literally about 50 feet away from us. Hammered. You could, you could hear her like eight blocks away. and we're sitting up there on the stage trying to record and our microphones are actually picking her up better than than the all three of us so you can hear her just clears the bell the whole time she had that she had that tone of voice yeah just piercing it was just so so i think that the name of that episode was yo patty we're we're drinking over here Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
But this is a clip from the other episode that we did, which is episode 151. It was called The Firewater in a Brothel. So the Gator Club in Sarasota was actually originally a brothel. So that's the reason why uh, we got that old bar should have been. So we were covering something from the Orphan series, uh, The Gifted Horse. Um, And uh, one of the tweaks that I had was asking everybody who is their favorite orphan in a play or a movie. And here's Bob. Hey, welcome back to Sips, Suds, and Smokes. On today's Sips episode, we are talking about Gifted Horse from Diageo's uh, Orphan Barrel series. This is what we're going through. And uh, this is an audience participation show that we're actually recording live at the Gator Club in Sarasota, Florida. We really enjoyed uh, being here today and having uh, some great folks come up and enjoy us from the audience. So uh, while we're getting ready to talk to Dr. Jim here, I'm going to let Bob choose his favorite song from a play or a movie featuring an orphan. All right, take it away. Made Man Bob. Batman. Ooh, nice. He didn't even try to sing. All you had to say was Batman. I'm Batman. (laughs) Hermie! Hand me the whiskey. Robin! (laughs) Done. All right, well. I love that clip. No, you too. Great. Hey, we'll be right back after this break. Hey, welcome back to Sip, Suds, and Smokes. On today's chat episode, we're going through a discussion with a couple of our co-hosts here on Season 10 with Made Man Bob and good old boy Harmeet. So, uh, you know, I thought that we were talking about some of our favorite moments here on Sip, Suds, and Smokes. I love that clip. You know, it's very challenging from a technical perspective, you know, recording. And I'm sorry that, you know, those live shows are not really quite up to, you know, our kind of our studio standards. But we'd also been drinking. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, you also it, sounded really constipated when you were doing Batman. It was it was just a, I was worried about you. a very interesting day, you know, all the way, you know, across. And and it was just it was just so many unplanned moments that whole day. It was just like, really, really? The whole day was an unplanned moment. Yeah. It was fun. It was, I really enjoyed that day. What was really strange as I was going back and listening to that clip was, you know, everything that you guys were saying about Gifted Horse, except for the fact that it sucked so bad. You know, that's probably been the worst pro. We were just trying to be polite. It was, you're right. The worst product I think Diageo has ever put out. In fact, it's probably the only thing I wanted to go, can I have my money back? I know you sent this to us for free, but I'd really like my money back. So this is actually uh, a clip that I pulled that I really just love of Harmeet. So this is uh, from, uh, I forgot the name of this episode or the number on it, but this is just a very typical. I love that. That's very convenient. You're just going (laughs) to tease them. No name, no number. <laughs> I'll see. Make I'll, them go through the catalog. I will include it in the in the uh, show notes. No, uh, make so. them go through the catalog. <laughs> uh, but, well, uh, for, first off, let me salute you, gentlemen, for oh. the peer pressure. Uh, I'm sorry. Successful. I'm I'm drinking Lagavulin 12 cow strength now. Cool. That Dr. Pepper is going away. 
So the name of this episode is It's About a Horse. This was the Pink Hook episode, mm-hmm. and this was uh, late. And so this is Harmeet introducing a product and a very typical discussion that I just, I think it's just very, it's very Harmeet. So you get to a lot of try the year nine max. Yeah, 12 is a lot. So you're going to see the year that it peaks, and then you're going to see what happens after the peak. So I'm really looking forward to the whole series. I thought I, this one was very good. A I'm already than the sold last out one. of this one. I've got number five. Just can't, five no. years. Just came this in. is begging for a vertical. We're going to be so uh, giving the pinhook bourbon war 2019 precepts. Interesting. All right. For me, Under bordering precepts. for me, bordering on four. But yeah, I would go. Right. So Harm's going to tell us about our next one. So the pinhook bohemian bourbon high proof 2020 114.5 proof 57.25 ABV. Non-age. Uh, What's sorry. the square root of the ABV? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a calculator somewhere. Google. What's, What's the, the square, square root, root of fifty-seven point two five? Yeah. Hey, hey, Alexa. You have Alexa in here? No. Good. She's she's not that woman in my house. She's spying. Yeah. Keep coming. Let's All go. right. So a uh, non-age statement: seventy-five percent corn, fifteen percent rye, ten percent malted barley. The color is a beautiful uh, reddish gold. The nose is all about brioche for me now i have not added water to this to me it's all about brioche and a little bit of lemon and a lot of vanilla and it's like that buttery pastry thing going on it's all about toffee and cocoa and almonds great great whiskey and that was all my notes before i added the water and right now i'm adding the water and looking at that beautiful louche this is nice and oily ah now citrus Tiny bit more citrus comes out. Um, a little more tropical. I actually liked it without the water. I like that high proof. You you guys are turning me into a into a proof hound. You're turning me into a proof hound. I liked it 114. It's inevitable. Justin? I think this tastes like a Jamaican beef patty. <laughs> yeah. It's got all the texture elements and notes of a Jamaican beef patty. Mild, not you know, spicy. I expected a lot from you, but I didn't see that coming. I'm <laughs> on Jamaican beef patty. You've got that bready note from the, the from the crust? Is yeah, that what's I've got the crust. What yeah, is the umami? The I don't get the umami from the beef I think it tastes like patty. a Jamaican bobsled. But... <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. So, it, yeah. I mean, it was just so funny that it was not only just about, you know, Harmeet and him introducing the product, but how he is just playing along with Justin going, it, it tastes like a beef patty. <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah, look, I got brioche. He got the crust from a beef patty. We eat different things. <laughs> that is, that is an understatement. <laughs> I mean, it's like, where do, you, where do you go with that? You know? Oh, geez. Uh, you've got to put that same clip in his show when you interview him. <laughs> I, I may do that because it's just. It's oh, there's so, a, there, but there's a lot of Justin gems. There are a lot of Justin. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I have. I have probably. So, Justin, what color is this? Brown. <laughs> awesome. Great. So, what do you think of it? Good. Okay. Great. <laughs> but it hey, when he started like, the show, it was it one word like at a time. Petals on a Nor- Norwegian iris that only blooms like every forty-two years. You know what yeah, that tastes like? One time right? he pulled yeah. out those flowers. <laughs> that it was yeah. amazing. It's you know? <laughs> crazy. Well, I know uh, you both have day jobs. So, uh, Bob, tell us a little bit about your day job. Well, uh, most of the time, my job consists of me dancing on a pole. Um, But when I'm not doing that during the day job, I'm an attorney. So 
which is pretty much the same thing. Well, you know, I think you sell yourself short, Bob. You could make more money if you just kept your clothes on. <laughs> well, that's how it works. See, I start taking the clothes off and they start throwing the money. And every time they stop throwing the money, I start taking the clothes off again. So it works out well. Well, I think you're paying attention to how much money Brent's making doing that, going clothing optional, you know, by not wearing yeah. pants all the time. So well, the boy doesn't like pants. What am I supposed to do with it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure he owns a pair of pants. Harm, tell us a little bit about your day job. Well, uh, Brad Garvin, male prostitute. Yeah. There you go. Back in 2000, I moved back to Florida. And I, I moved to, back to Florida after living in New Orleans for 14 years and uh, started helping out in the family business. Indictments. The business. Yeah, indictments. We have a bunch of liquor stores and uh, one high-end shop, that which I prefer to be at because I just don't like to go to the ghetto store at night. You know, And I, 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 the difference for our store between a lot of other places is I love to educate. People come to see me from all over the world. I'm actually famous in Ecuador. I don't know why. Well, actually, I do know why. Um, but anyway. Indictment. Indicted. I, 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 I fled the country, and there are warrants. He hasn't been back since. Yeah. You do the no, math. I have, I, have, uh, I have people who come to see me from other countries to learn about uh, rare things and drink. And I, I, the, the dean of the, one of the schools of architecture there in Ecuador is uh, the brother of one of my customers. And all of a sudden, he was taking pictures. And next thing you know, people from Ecuador come to come see me. That's mm. crazy. So but, Harm, uh, yeah, I you know I get it that you know as a as a retailer you actually get to know your products, but Bob, you know, was actually a wine geek, you know, much like me, and you know this just kind of evolved in other you know alcoholic beverages. So, um, Bob, do you ever get that moment where you wonder where all this you know infatuation is actually going? Uh, it's called obsessive compulsive disorder, and. <laughs> I have suffered from it since I was a child and have a tendency to take my hobbies from uh, ground level to the stratosphere in a very short period of time. So, so uh, is the next step you're actually, he actually helped reinforce the shelves at my store. <laughs> he, he, he goes all the way in when we were moving from one location to the other for, for temporary uh, when they rebuilt our, our shopping center, Bob helped rebuild the shelves in my store. He's all the way from the shelves to the bottles and drinking. He's well, there. Look around the room. Okay. You've got Harm's mom, who's old, and you've got the two or three kids he was paying who are dumber than the rock and doing no work. And you've got one redneck in there and the wooden shelves are falling apart. Who do you think is going to fix it? Hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Redneck with a drill and some screws. There you exactly. go. Exactly. I just gave him a list and said, here's what I need. Go to Home Depot. Come back. Hmm. So, Bob. Do you think this all kind of has a cycle and, you know, kind of what's next for you? Um, ancient Hungarian cabinet making um, <laughs> and underwater basket weaving. Yeah. So. Need one, pull two, push right, push read through black hole. I've, you know, I, I tend to go through some hobbies, you know, over the course of a couple of years um, and then some just sort of stay. Um you know, I've been into wine and and whiskey, really. I mean, when I, when I was far too young to be drinking, I was drinking brown liquor because I thought the clear stuff just didn't taste like anything. Mm. So, you know, and then I had some you family history of some folks in the family back in the day who might or might not have made their own alcoholic beverages. Um, 
So I've always been into it, not quite to the level of the last, you know, 15 years or so, but um, that is, wine and whiskey are something that seem to be sticking. I don't see them going anywhere. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, it's been interesting, you know, watching other people, you know, kind of go through a journey, you know, with uh, different things. And it, it's not always alcoholic beverages, but, I, you know, I always find that, you know, the way that people, you know, tend to engage with things, you know, they're, they, they have this life cycle, you know, you kind of get oh, yeah. into them and then they, you know, evolve and sometimes get way out of hand. And then, you know, there's kind of a, a reduction or a contraction, you know, of the amount of time or interest they have around those things. And I mean, for me, it was definitely having, you know, a very large, you know, wine cellar and, and a collection that was just beyond, you know, manageable. And uh, so mine was, Partly a bit of Were a... Were you collecting to collect or did you ever open anything to drink? Uh, both. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, probably, you know, my collection probably tipped out just just around 12,000 bottles. Um, and it just... Jeez, Mike. Yeah, I know. That's, you know, uh, definitely there's a bell that should go off in your head. And when you're actually, <laughs> you know, when you're constructing a house and you're like, I think all this will fit. You're just lying to yourself because it'll it will never all fit. And, you know, just uh, so, you know, but at the same time, I think there were part of it was I was really seeing, you know, the how much I was actually enjoying it, you know, it was really kind of diminishing, you know, as well. It was really turning into a lot more of a commitment of managing, um, you know, all that wine and then and worry about, you know, buying and selling and trading, you know, a lot of it all the time. And I was like, I'm not really enjoying that piece of the equation. I like drinking it, but I, you know, this, you know, collecting things, you know, just, I, just, I don't know that part I of it. Compl I, just, I completely get that. You sound like a lot of my customers actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I they, know. Get, they get burned out. They get yeah. burned out from that. Well, and I wonder, you know, if that'll happen, you know, with whiskey as well. Because, you know, I i don't know. We've all walked into people's houses and they're like, see my vast collection, you know, and they have, you know, I don't know what, four, you know, 500, 1,000 bottles of whiskey and not yeah. even half of them are open. And you're like, well, okay, what's the big plan? You know, where's all this going? And, you know, what's your third wife going to think about all this? <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so She's not going to uh, think anything because yeah, the second wife took them all. So. <laughs> For half of them, the third wife is still a teenager. She's not, she's, she's not of age yet. So, I, you know, I always kind of wonder, you know, do people kind of like for me? And I mean, the answer is, is pretty easy. I mean, I am definitely all about rum. I, you know, if, if I, I absolutely think that rum is is going to be, you know, a, a very long you know, period of enjoyment for me. Um and when did you I, start with the rum? You know, I would say when we were starting the, you know, the early research, you know, for some of the rum shows that we've done. And I just, you know, Mike, I could have, I would have loved to have been involved with some of those. Uh, well, you, you will be. I mean, it's not like, you know, we're done with rum at any point no, in we're time. Done. Yeah. None for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we don't, we don't Skype anymore. It's trying, it's hard to be in the same room with you up in Tennessee when we're, we're down in Florida. Yeah. But absolutely. And, you know, I definitely, you know, I can see that it's at that inflection point, you know, right now where 
amazing quality, you know, and great bang for buck. I mean, I'm, I'm buying stuff that's, you know, $40 a bottle that you will look back and have the exact same conversation going, hey, I remember when that was $40 a bottle. It's like $418 now, you know. Um, so I can definitely see, you know, a lot of those things coming around. But I also see that that cycle, you know, of working uh, and enjoying, you know, whiskey is is kind of at that you know, kind of in that then inflection point as well, where it's like, I don't really want to collect a lot of this because I'm not going to be drinking at all. Um, but yes, I need that bottle now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, you, know, you get into it and into it, and then it's just constant and constant and constant. And then eventually you get sick of it and you can't stand to see it anymore. Yeah. That's, that's just like the show. When we started the show, it was me and harm. And then he's still here. And, and now uh, I'm just, uh, never mind. You mm-hmm. sound like you regret that, Bob. I will find you. Never mind. So, Bob, the whiskey group that you run has just really exploded, and it's gotten some nice press coverage, you know, as well. And this broad public interest, you know, and in kind of whiskey, you know, seems to be kind of a common trend. You know, you see a lot of these groups just kind of all over the place, and it's groups of, you know, 100 people or 200 or, you know, some of the really large groups, you know, like uh, Fort Lauderdale, you know, Whiskey Society. Um, you know, do you see that there's a life cycle, you know, kind of when you see these groups, I mean, I've seen some come and go and kind of implode for uh, some fairly common reasons, but I mean, do you see that, I I mean, you're going to have the whiskey society around for another 10 years. Uh, I think we will. Um, when I see groups that implode or, and it fall apart. It always seems to be one of two things. Either Money. it's a small group and there's, you know, one or two people running it and it never really gets traction, never gets any size, never gets any other people running it. And that person just gets tired and says, I'm done. And they leave and then that's it. And then I see them when they get really, really big. And then you get a group of people in charge who then all of a sudden it's like animal farm. You know, all of a sudden the pigs are living in the house and wearing clothes, you know, and they're, you know, running the thing for their own design. And you see people. It's about ego and greed, Bob, ego and greed get turned off about that. So it's, you know. I've seen groups that, you know, do barrel picks and, and, you know, they're, they're literally selling bottles for profits. You know, it's like, uh, you're not supposed to do that guys. It's illegal. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, it's it, it, whenever you get any, whenever you get a group of people together for anything, personalities are always going to come in. You know, it's, it's just the nature of things, things come, things go, you know? So I know that you actually belong to some other social whiskey groups like the Berman Mafia. You know, how's that group different than the Fort Lauderdale Whiskey Society? And, you know, do you wish there was like some larger, you know, country-based group that would handle all the common admin stuff and common governance and leverage that collective size to make it easier to engage with speakers and brand ambassadors and barrel picks and all that stuff? Um, first off, there's no such thing as a mafia. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, the Bourbon Mafia is is a very different group than, say, the Fort Lauderdale Whiskey Society or 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 the Jacksonville or Southwest Florida or and, and any of the any of the ones here in Florida or any other area, because they're basically set up for a charitable purpose from day one. Um, we do barrels down here in Fort Lauderdale. Um, where 
I go to the various companies and I say, I want to do a barrel and it's going to be a charity barrel and we will set it up with the store and the store will sell it. No, they'll, they'll mark it up a, you know, a couple of bucks just to be able to cover their overhead, but we'll have them charge what retail would be. And then they donate that amount back to the charity that we're doing the work for right now. Most of what we do for is honor flight South Florida. So we fly veterans up to world uh, to DC to see the world war two Korea, Vietnam memorials. Um, Bourbon mafia has been doing that since day one. And that's literally their hundred percent of their focus. Um, we lost uh, a member recently to uh, colon cancer. So we've been doing some barrels in in cooperation with some of the distilleries you know, in Kentucky, because that's where the bourbon mafia is based. And it's a very small group. It's very, very high end people or very, very high end industry people. Um, here we are on a radio show that a few people actually listen to. And we're probably the biggest punks in the bourbon mafia. Um, so it's a small group, but it's yeah. It will be right back after this break. Hey, welcome back to Sips, Suds and Smokes. On today's chats episode, we're actually going through a discussion with a couple of our co-hosts today with Main Man Bob and with good old boy Harmeet. And uh, so uh, we were having a discussion kind of about uh, various whiskey groups. And so, uh, Bob, I think it's really great that, you know, you've enjoyed, you know, being, you know, a part of those groups. And and I and I do think that, you know, one thing that you said that having strong leadership is mm -hmm. uh, is a key component, you know, to a lot of the longevity and success, you know, of those groups as well. And I think, you know, certainly you bring a lot of that, you know, very strong leadership to both those groups. And so I, I think that's the reason why, you know, they'll, they will be around, you know, for a long time. Well, you've got to have a goal. You know, and you've got to empty glass. You've got to make. Well, yeah, that's one. And then you've got to make it about, you know, it's not all about, you know, you or the group, small group that are running things. You know, you got to always remember that you're you're running the group for everyone else. So like with the mafia, the whole reason that we're there is for charity. So that's all that we do. That's everything that we do. I've always been skeptical of your whole mafia thing, man. Sounds like trying to assuage your guilt over being hoarders and collectors. We I can't just do this that, all for ourselves. Wish it was you that easy. You can't buy your way into heaven, Bob. You can't buy your way into heaven. Let's see. The beginning of the year, we raised, uh, I think it was about $50,000 for the Colon Cancer Research Foundation. That was just one of okay, them. Maybe you can buy your way into heaven. And then <laughs> um, at the end of the month, we're doing another barrel and uh, uh, an event. We're hoping to raise close to that. Uh, for colon cancer research as well. They actually uh, are sending somebody out from the headquarters to, to come to the event and everything. So, uh, you know, it's, if you have a, if you have a goal, you know, and you're, you're, you're working towards that goal and you just sort of keep in mind that, you know, it's not just about you, it's about everyone in the group. Um, you know, that's, that's what it's all about, you know, mm. have some fun, enjoy yourself. And maybe just maybe actually use your fund to, you know, do some good for the community too. So. Very nice. Well, I want to swing our, a uh, bit of our discussion here to uh, Harmeet. So, you know, harm being part of a family business is really tough. I mean, how long do you think you're going to still employ your wife? <laughs> you know, She's the only one there that performs any meaningful function. If she didn't show up, the place would just sink into the ground. I, I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, I thank my wife every day. She is the best. I've we all thank her, too, because she keeps him away from us. 
The, the last two months of 2021, I've been in and out of the hospital for broken kneecap to a gallbladder, cholecystitis thing. Uh, if it hadn't been for her, man, we'd be in deep trouble. Because my mom's too old to go in the store anymore, man. I don't. We don't. She. she, she we don't let her drive anymore. Oh God! I hope she didn't listen to this episode, or this is the last time you'll hear from Harm. Yeah. yeah. My dad's busy with the other stores. So, have sales actually gone up or down through each of those periods? Oh, sales have definitely gone up. Are you kidding? <laughs> they actually have somebody smiling behind the register. Do you need yeah. to look at those analytics? Like, Hi, can I help you? And they're like, "What store am I in?" <laughs> People, people come to see my wife. She's, she's a draw. She really is. She's a sweet Southern girl, man. I, I don't deserve her. Uh, she, she, she's a good judge of character, a good judge of people. Obviously not and, that good. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm not saying she can't be fooled. So she did marry me. Yeah. And, you know, she makes them happy. They come to just to see her and say hello. Mm. We have a, we have a, a gentleman who, was, uh, who just uh, bought a bunch of stuff for me for his collection in Belgium. And they love my wife so much. They went back out and they came and got us gifts. It's like, I'm just selling you liquor. You don't give us gifts. They just love my wife. Here's some chocolates from Belgium. I look them up later. It's like, well, they spent a lot of money on these chocolates. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, Had those with some champagne later. <laughs> yeah. Well, the bad thing is, is, is she's from Alabama. So when we make the Alabama joke, she would get mad. But fortunately, because because she's from Alabama, she generally doesn't get many of them. So we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Damn. Just saying. Once again, yeah. me. I still banned once again. So, you know, Harm, I think one of the things that uh, I definitely notice about you is that your depth of knowledge, you know, about a lot of these products, you know, is really sometimes quite extensive. I mean, no one has ever accused him of being deep. Almost kind of that one product, you know, that, that hooked you where you kind of learn to move away from just because you typically get like a product spec sheet, you know, sometimes. But yeah. What was something you were like, I really want to know a lot more about that particular product, like that vineyard or that distiller? You know, I love wine and I always really inter was interested in learning more about what we were, were tasting. It's like a lot of uh, salespeople come to the store and they're like, you know, they're used to dealing with uh, buyers who are just all about the bottom line. What's my margin? Where can I mark this up? Where can I cut some points here, shave that? And, you know, try to beat the competition. And, you know, there is a, always a little bit of that in the back of my mind. But unless it's something I enjoy, I don't want to deal with it. You know, you can sell all the low-end grocery store wine you want. I don't care about some of those things. I, I want to learn about, tell me about this vineyard. I, I, but what really, you know, tell me about these grapes. Why does this taste different from the stuff grown here. Tell me about the terroir. I just got into it because, you know, I, at, at heart, I'm a scientist. I didn't finish my PhD in cardiovascular pharmacology. And when I started uh, doing this as a, uh, to help out my family after my mom had her operations, she couldn't walk. And I was here and I was going through a divorce. It was all, my whole life was a mess. So I shift just like you have your obsessions. I glommed onto something different. I, uh, and what really actually got me in the business, not more than wine, which I already loved, is I had some really good customers walked in and said, you know what? You have the beginnings of a nice whiskey selection here, but here's what you should have. Huh. And we started talking and hanging out. And it was my customers who brought me to these things. And next thing you know, I'm asking insightful questions of brand ambassadors, and they're coming to me. And then salespeople are coming to me for my honest opinion, not because 
uh, they think they can sell me something. But it's like, how do I sell this to other people? It's like, well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the process. Let's talk about what happened. What kind of stills are these? Uh, and it, we, we just got, you know, I finally got that reputation where people come to me when they want to impress their suppliers about somebody who's actually going to take notes and listen to them. I really, I go deep. And you, if and if you're a supplier coming to my store, you better know your product. Now it's full circle because when customers comes in, he tells them to shut up and tells them what they should buy. <laughs> yeah, I do. Well, I, yeah. I, I do think that's a very uh, good observation. I think for a lot of retailers is you know that uh, I don't know that they're always uh, open to listening. You know, I think to their customers and making some casual you know suggestions like that. And and I and I can see you know the the opposite side of that equation where, and I do this quite a bit, you know, with a lot of the retailers, I'm like, man, you know, if you only had this in stock, you know, I'd really love the store. Um, but the thing is, is that I may be one of a, you know, 2000 customers, you know, that they typically have in that store. Sometimes we catch from people like that though. It's like the suppliers are not above hiring people to go into your store and ask for their product. Yeah. Especially when it's something brand new in the market. Nobody's heard of. Interesting. You know, mm-hmm. That they it happens all the time, really, and, but so I'm, I'm skeptical of some people. But other people I know, if you've been my customer for years, and you bring something to me that you tasted somewhere else, out of state or whatever. If I if I trust your taste, hey, I'm open to it. Hmm. So, do you even drink casually? And what is that drink of choice? <laughs> it never stops. Other than the Dr Pepper. Yeah, well, I I actually don't drink that much. Uh, I, do, <laughs> I I look. I'm diabetic. I can't. I can't. I spit. That's why and these guys diabetic. make fun of me for having a spit bucket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, how many people think when that? I do drink socially, I I still prefer scotch. Uh, I mean the other. That's <laughs> no, all right. But uh, the problem is. Uh, the the best places to drink are very expensive and and they're generally not open when i get when i'm ready to eat on my way home or something like that mm. i went to a, a local uh, sports bar last night on my way home from work and i asked them what uh, single malts they have and she comes back she had no idea she comes back the bartender says we have glenlevitt johnny walker and shivas well two of those aren't single malts and you have the most mediocre glenlevitt 12 which is i mean it's okay it's not what I want. I end up drinking a Woodford Reserve. <laughs> you know, they have a better bourbon selection. Depends who's got what and when and what it goes with the meal. You know, mm. I prefer great wine on the, the day I was released from the hospital it was New Year's Eve this year. Uh, 2020, uh, 22, 2021 New Year's Eve or 2022 New Year's Eve, I guess. Uh, I was in the hospital for a week for my gallbladder on morphine and, and uh, antibiotics for a week before they took my gallbladder out. Got out the day after the surgery. And you know what? I can't guarantee I'm going to be here long enough. There was a bottle of uh, Grange with the label that somebody had torn the, the, the paper Ooh. off. And it was a 2010 Grange. So like, you know what? That label's a little too faded oh, to sell. That is a tough, that's a tough call. I, I, I can't blame you for tearing into that. <laughs> it's a $1,000 bottle. It's, uh, I've been, I got out of the hospital at 1 p.m. I might work by 3, by 6 p.m. You know what? I'm ready to have her relax. Got my wife. Uh, had some friends who were over at the store and I just opened that bottle and just let it breathe. Mm. I noticed I didn't get an invitation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bob, I wasn't calling anybody. And you know mm-hmm. what? We opened it early. The drink mm-hmm. window for that 2010 is, is 2022 to 2040. So we opened a day early. Yeah. But it was a good day. Yeah, but it, wasn't it 2022 in Australia already? 
true. Correct. Wow. It's like next week there, right? Yeah. So that was actually one of my favorite verticals of, uh, so this is Penfolds Grange that we're talking about, which is from Australia. And um, this is uh, Shiraz is the varietal um, that is part of Grange. 94% Shiraz, 4% Cabernet Sauvignon, and 2010 vintage. Yeah, a little bit of a blend. the uh, and yeah, this is one of my favorite verticals. I think I probably had a twelve-year vertical of Grange. Oh, and, you are uh, so lucky! And uh, I think that I, as as far as I got through that vertical, I think I usually bought three bottles. And so, uh, what I would do is I would usually drink one um, shortly after getting it. Um, then I would usually wait probably I don't know three years before I would come back and touch you know the second bottle. You should have waited ten for Grange. Oh yeah, and and then the third bottle I you know just never even touched them at all, and so I kept on increasing that time of coming back to it you know closer to like five or six years, and uh, man, I just really fantastic you know one for uh, sure. I was, I was blown away by the purity and the quality of that wine. Yeah, and really, it's it's a 2010 vintage. We're drinking at the eve of 2022, and it was so young still. Mm. And I was I was looking at Parker's review and I was laughing because like the last line of his review is like, uh, oh, the only thing that's that's wrong with this wine is it's it's just it's, it's too uh, technically driven. It doesn't really reflect the terroir that year. Hmm. It's like, and he's comparing it's like, oh, you know, the magical 2008 vintage was a hundred point wine. This was a ninety nine point wine, and he's giving it crap. What's yep. going on? Yeah, yeah. Well, some people are paid to be that way. <laughs> yeah. So, who is your favorite person in the wine scene, Harm? I don't have a favorite person. I love everyone I meet because I want them to give me wine. Like a wine maker, <laughs> the person that delivers grains to you for free. He <laughs> is the driver. red. He is the red foreman of the wine business. Everyone he sees, he's like dumbass. Yeah, so come on. <laughs> no, I actually, I, I, uh, I remember meeting Kevin Zraeli and getting an argument with him at, uh, at from Windows in the World. And he writes a bunch of wine books, and we had a good spirited argument one day about stuff and. Uh, so I like a lot of the reviewers. I, um, I, I, I love meeting winemakers. And the thing is, some of them are so freaking ornery. That makes me love them more. Mm. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. It's, it's different. I mean, uh, Mary Edwards was great. Now, unfortunately, they sold the, the, the winery recently. You know, so many great people in the wine industry. But I, haven't, I don't get a chance to travel as much. I'm stuck down here, man. Stuck down here. Well, I am such a huge fan of the late James Lipton from the Actor Studios, and I always wish that I could have answered those closeout questions. So now it's going to be your turn uh, to uh, get to these questions. I'm going to be alternating these between Bob and Harm, and I'm probably going to pick the wrong person for the wrong question. So, <laughs> so Bob, what's your favorite word? Yes. Harm, what's your least favorite word? No. No, I don't, who, who thinks a thing like this, man? Harm, what turns you on? I'm sorry. This is a PG-13 show. No, 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 no. Bob, what turns you on? Anything that doesn't turn harm on. Harm, what turns you off? All right. What turns me off are people who don't get puns. Puns are the lifeblood of bad jokes. You should know you are the king of bad jokes. Yeah. If you don't appreciate a good dad joke, I, I think he has like a book of dad jokes that he just inflicts yeah, on his daughter every day. Much, I'm, yeah. I'm living I'm living that life right now, man. My daughter's mm-hmm. eight. 
This is perfect. So, Bob, what sound or noise do you love? Sound of my family. Mm. So, Harm, what sound or noise do you hate? Same thing. (laughs) My mom puttering around the kitchen when we're trying to watch a movie. We'll go over to my parents' house. They live a mile away from me. My dad has this huge big screen uh, home theater thing going on. And we're all got the surround sound on, the Dolby Atmos. And then my mom is just going to turn on the blender. That. That's the sound I hate. Or my mom vacuuming during that. The whole family's watching the movie. And my mom's vacuuming from the blender. That's it. Like I said, exactly the same thing for harm. Yeah. Exactly the same thing you love. So, Bob, what's your favorite curse word? Uh, Before I went to law school, my father was a contractor and I worked on building homes for 20 years before I went to school. So got to say, uh, fuck. Yeah. Mm. It's universal. It can be used in any situation. Noun, adjective. Absolutely. Uh, Harm, what's your favorite curse word? I don't have one. I like them all. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Flaming, goat tongued, uh, ball liquor. There's a good one. Uh, uh, Harm, what's your... uh, What's your profession other than your own that you would like to attempt? Hmm. Uh, I would say uh, porn star. <laughs> Give it a try. And yet, Give it a I, try, you know. It, if you actually, you know, get to know somebody in the adult, you know, industry, um, they're not happy people, you know? I'm not saying I'm not broken inside either. Yes, you are. Well, it's really great stuff uh, for today. I hope uh, you got to enjoy getting to know Bob and Harmeet a little bit better. That's going to wrap it up for today's chat episode. I definitely want to thank our guests for this episode. Thanks, Made Man Bob, for being here. Always a pleasure. And thanks, good old boy, Harmeet. Thank you, Mike. It's sometimes a pleasure. And tell them a little bit about your shop. (laughs) What's to tell, man? We've got a bunch of stores in South Florida. The one I'm generally at is Fine Spirits in Cooper City, which is, uh, you know, wine from $9 to $900, uh, whiskey from $10 to $5,000, $6,000, cognacs. Most of it's on the higher end. Yeah. We, we go, I, I, I mean, the wines, if you go $30 and up, that's our sweet spot. Because I'm next door to a grocery store that's a high-end grocery store. Cool. I got a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, movie stars and telenovela stars <laughs> and ex-football players and baseball players live in the neighborhood. Tua lives in the neighborhood. Let me say goodbye real quick. Hey, come back. Join us again. Keep on sipping, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're listening to us online, do yourself a favor and tap. Just tap it in. The subscribe button. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap a room. The easiest way to listen to our show is to ask Siri, Alexa, Google, Uncle Larry, or whoever it is that talks to you on your phone. Play podcast Sip Suds and Smokes. We love your feedback, and you can reach us at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our tasting notes flow out on Twitter and Instagram with our handle at sipsudsandsmokes, and our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. You'll also be able to interact with the thousands, millions, and millions of other fans on those social media platforms. Do us a favor. Take the time to rate this episode if you're listening to us online. That's a big help to us, and we get to see your feedback as well. Come back, join us for another episode, and keep on sipping. This has been.
been a one-tan-hand production of Sip, Suds, and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time. Thank <laughs> you.